0: Um, all right. I need uh, five minutes to go make a drink. So I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all
2: right. You make your drinks.
0: Drink. uh
2: Welcome to the Disaster Dads Thank you very much um, We are happy to have you here Remember you can check us out on the Twitters At Disaster Dads On Facebook at Disaster Dads And on the internet If you want to go old school At DisasterDads.com At some point we will post something On one of those sites I do think I No, no well, we haven't done anything for a while This episode though will be pinned on there So we, you know, you will find it that way So um, we'll, we'll get there eventually um, You know, uh, we, uh I have a great fun episode tonight. So I just, you know, normally we have a little banter and Dan and, and Rob and Joe all get mad at me. Uh, Frank and Robin normally support me. So we'll, we'll just kind of move on. But Dan was able to put together, um, something pretty cool. And so I don't want to take too much from him, but you know, we've had, um, conversations with the dads. I think one of us had a, um, kid that got pretty sick with the flu. Was that you, Robin? Yeah. So
3: that was it. Yeah. Daughter had a a flu type B.
2: Okay. So, you know, we've had that level of seriousness to everyone's had colds, coughs, and trading it back and forth throughout the household. So we were talking about different things, and uh, Disaster Dan actually had some connections within the medical world and uh, got us a very awesome uh, guest for this evening. So I normally step on Dan's introductions too much anyway, so I'm just going to turn it over to him so that he can do the introduction.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, yeah, you 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 dodged the bullet that time on the intro. Uh, so as we, we have, do more of these, I learn. Yeah, we we have a friend of the pod, uh, Doctor Crystal Sparling, with us today, uh, live from Oklahoma. Uh, she is uh, uh, a friend of a friend who uh, we were able to get in touch with when we started kicking around the idea of. Uh, doing a flu podcast. We wanted to get someone on that actually knew what they were talking about. We thought we'd try something different with this topic. So, uh, uh, Crystal, do you want to give a, a quick rundown uh, of of what you do in Oklahoma and, and how you got there?
4: Yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm Crystal Sparling. I'm a medical doctor, um, board certified in general pediatrics, and I also have a background in public health. That's what my master's is in. Um, And I know Dan's friend from, I worked with her at Columbia uh, in New York for several years um, and then ended up kind of back in Oklahoma. Um, I have a lot of history in hospital work. And then a year and a half ago, decided to um, go in with an old buddy and we started our own general peds practice almost in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. So
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to find middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Well yeah,
4: almost to the middle. But uh no, it's not. It's a great community um, you know, near the Oklahoma City metro area called Blanchard, Oklahoma. Um great people, um, great kids, so we enjoy it out there. So but my medical experience is uh pretty varied from New York City to rural Oklahoma and kind of some stuff in between. So
0: <laughs> great. Well, thank you for joining all of our, our, our Brandard uh, listeners. Please use Dr. Sparling's practice for all of your <laughs> pediatric needs moving forward. Uh, so we wanted to talk about the flu tonight and, and what it is and what that means when you hear it coming around. This year, When we'll, we'll get into this, this year is considered a bad flu year uh, for, for many people. And I know a lot of folks, even just within the podcast, we've had uh, kids of the pod come down with the flu this year so we can get into some of that. So I think my first question, just to sort of keep it very uh, general at first, is if I had a coronary condition and a perfectly (laughs) clean rag was placed in my mouth and the rag was accidentally pushed too far down, is it possible that my cells would continue burning sugar after the rag was taken out? Maybe. Maybe follow-up question. Is it possible to have a serious coronary condition where the initial warning signals were so mild as to escape a physician, not you, but another physician during a routine medical exam? Absolutely. Excellent. Now, of course, (laughs) these are actually my notes from our A Few Good Men episode, which is coming up in a few weeks. I was so
2: confused.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I was not
2: even tracking.
0: uh, Somebody bet me that I wouldn't start the podcast with those questions so uh i just want a couple bucks anyway okay so just real general Eric at those questions out yes yeah. yeah. uh <laughs>
2: it, i am the i'm considered the loose cannon but no he's organized
0: <laughs> he's not going to go off the rails
4: i love it totally random
0: <laughs> yeah. so uh thank you for not hanging up so really to so the actual first question is for folks listening you know what is the flu why do people talk about this year's flu versus last year's flu? You know, how does it change year to year? Just very generally, we're, we're going to get into more specifics as we go along. But just generally, what, we, what is the flu when we talk about it?
4: So um, the flu, influenza, is a viral illness. There are several um, different viruses that kind of change all the time and cause the illness that we call influenza. Um, and some of you guys her have experienced firsthand what the flu looks like um, and it can vary widely from very mild symptoms, cough, fever, um, general achiness, general misery, sadness um, Uh to, you know, being very severely ill, um, difficulty breathing, um, you know, end up in the hospital death kind of illness. Um, So it, it varies widely. Um, Some of that depends on who gets sick. Some of it depends on which specific flu virus that you get. Um, A lot of it depends on um, the health of the person who gets the flu. So um, people that have uh, medical problems, especially certain medical problems like asthma, they tend to get more sick um, with influenza. Um, So that's, that's pretty much what the flu is as far as how widespread is it like generally, um, you know, the reason that I think we put a lot of focus on the flu is because it does affect a lot of people. Um, in the U.S., you know, any like in any given year in the last 10 years, anywhere from like 9 to 35 million illnesses um, just in the U.S. alone. Wow. Um, and of those, you know, over 100,000 can end up in the hospital. And the CDC likes to use 36,000 as a as a death average per year in the U.S. So it's a serious illness, um, and it does get a lot of play in the media, especially this time of year.
0: Yeah. So, you know, give, some of the symptoms that you talked about um, are very common, particularly for the little ones when they start to get sick, you know, fever. You know, my, my three-year-old spikes a fever, you know, when the month changes, you know, at the, or at the drop of a hat. How do you know if what you're dealing with is the flu versus just a bad cold or something else?
4: That's a really good question. And sometimes it really is hard to tell Um, the flu and general like cold viruses. They do share a lot of the same symptoms. Um, One of the things about the flu, um, specifically some of the flu viruses that we see routinely in the last couple of years one thing you'll notice is, like, the kid will be fine, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're sick. So cold, you're like, oh, maybe you've got the sniffles for few days. You might be coming down with something. Oftentimes with the flu, it's really abrupt onset. So, like, they're fine, and then all of a sudden they have a fever, cough, and they look miserable. Okay. So if you're dealing with that, that might be an indication that you're dealing with flu, sometimes though kids have a gen- like a very mild case of the flu and it just looks kind of like a cold like a you know milder cold or a bad cold um, but they do overlap so like the cough runny nose is a little more common in the cold than with the flu um, body aches is a real big one with the flu um, kids with colds don't usually complain of like really bad body aches like anywhere head to toe um, but with influenza you definitely get that more
0: and and. I, I, you, you mentioned some, earlier that this is a viral issue. So is that what they mean when they talk about the flu changing from year to year because viruses can mutate or there can be different strains of one virus? Is that what they're talking about when they're talking about the flu?
4: Um, yes. So um, there are lots of different viruses that cause the <laughs> flu and they, they usually talk about Categorizing those into flu A and flu B's, and flu A type viruses behave differently than flu B viruses. So when they talk about viruses changing, um, they usually talk about they usually talk about the word shift. Um, and there's a couple different kinds of ways viruses shift over time. Um, one of them, um, like small changes, they actually refer to the real term is antigenic drift. And so that's just, like, little ways viruses kind of change over time as they kind of, you know, infect people and pass on from people to people. Um, And those are, like, small, slower changes. The other type of change is antigenic shift. Um, And so, like, people will use them kind of interchangeably, but they're different like boring you guys but anyway well, that why is name, like
2: why did they name change. them why did they name them so close together i gotta ask i don't you that, know
4: scientists like to make things complicated antigenic drift antigenic shift but
2: they're very different but the same name shift. yeah also
3: the name of my high school punk rock band <laughs>
4: a great band name
3: and the anyway, biggest word so ever antigenic
4: shift is like a fast change yeah. and what's interesting about shift is like you know people were, were talking about like swine flu So influenza viruses can infect animals. And sometimes when an animal gets a flu and that jumps back to a person, that's a big shift. And so those viruses are usually ones that cause big problems because we haven't been prepared for those. That's like a big, fast change.
2: So she's telling you to be ready, Robin, because you took in those dogs. So (laughs) you added extras. Dog flu.
0: Didn't the dog. Yeah.
4: Oh. yeah. I don't know. Birds and pigs—they get the bad rap here,
0: but. Oh really?
4: Dogs can get the flu, sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I not yeah. Are birds still They're- like popular pets? Just totally random.
0: Wow. Way not off topic. My house. What? What? I, I mean. Let's put that one in a drawer for a future. Episode. I'll put that <laughs> right? in I'll
2: file it away later. Okay.
0: Can, can we get ten minutes before you send us off the rails?
2: <laughs> oh, please. All right. Moving on. Sorry.
0: All right. So, so uh, now that now that the Birdman of Alexandria has had his say, uh, so you know, given that the flu can shift and it's that it's this sort of nebulous illness out there that, that can change, you know, how how do you generally, how do you get it? How can you avoid getting it? And, and who is at mo- most at risk for getting the flu?
4: So, good question. Um, the flu is spread through two types of contact, like droplet. So, like, if somebody sneezes and that gets in your mouth, <laughs> that's one way it's spread. And then contact. So, flu can live on surfaces. And then if you touch that surface and then you somehow like wipe your face, wipe your mouth or something, then that's how flu is introduced into your body. Um, so wash. that's what we say. Wash your hands, cover your cough. All that stuff is great at preventing the flu. Spray um, nine.
2: Lysol, <laughs> yeah. spray nine, everything. Red hot, Just that stuff. Put yeah. that S everywhere.
4: Um, and anybody can get the flu. Um, there are, People like I kind of mentioned earlier that are at higher risk for complications of the flu. So, super young kids under five, but really under two—that's that's the real high risk um, population there. Pregnant women are particularly vulnerable um, to complications from the flu. People over 65 is another high risk um, group, <laughs> and um, people with you medical out. problems. <laughs> You don't giggle, it's over
0: 65. That's
2: why you don't see <laughs> Rob's just picture.
0: Yeah, we're getting Rob in that cohort.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that, that picture you see, Rob, it,
2: we're not saying how many 40 years old that is, but uh, it's it's older.
3: That picture is actually a Polaroid.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep making jokes. I can outrun three of the four of you.
2: That's <laughs> true. That is That's the way I drive so 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 question so it's dangerous or you know two two and under is kind of a pretty high at risk what age can they start getting um like flu mist or, or whatever it is
4: so um nobody's nobody's gotten flu mist in the last couple of years because <laughs> oh. oh, right. it didn't work so they, oh. they <laughs> took it away for a while um and uh you can start getting your flu shot at age six months
2: six months okay
4: yeah everybody aged six months and older should get their flu shot
1: We've seen in the news um, various ages of people that have have, have died from the flu or complications. Does it strike more for younger ages or older ages, or is it just across the board? Um, And what causes it to get that severe?
4: So um, usually, um, year to year, the the hardest-hit age groups in the U.S. for complications and death from the flu are the super young, ages 0 to 4 and then um, people over 65. Um, and, you know, the reason for that, for kids, because that's my area of expertise, is they just have less uh, reserve. Um, so, um, you know, they're, whenever they get sick, they can they can tolerate a certain amount, but they're just not um, strong enough and able to handle, you know, a, a real, you know, hit the complications like to their entire system. Um, And it's the same for the elderly. Um, They just don't have enough reserve to withstand what generally a healthy
0: normal adult can. So that's a really interesting um, point. So I guess, and, and this is maybe a misconception that I had, it's not necessarily that those groups are more likely to get the flu than any other group. It's that they're more likely to not be able to handle it effectively in terms of their immune response to it
4: yes that is correct Mm
2: -hmm. since we're testing dan's assumptions on things if (laughs) i get the flu shot and i get the flu it's just not as bad right if i have a healthy immune system to begin with i get the flu i get the shot it's it lasts just a couple days versus totally knocking me out
4: generally that is true um the
2: if the cdc guessed right and used the right (laughs) variance for the
4: yeah. This and you know the well let's let's talk about that. How do they decide what goes into the flu shot? Um, <laughs> before you pick on the CDC. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, so,
4: <okay>. no, yeah.
2: <laughs> they did just misplace so is, a couple. They, like,
4: no. it's complicated. It's a worldwide effort um, to decide what gets into our flu shot. So the World Health Organization they kind of run. Um, run, like, quarterback on, you know, coordinating centers from all over the world. Um, they do a lot of surveillance worldwide. And, um, you know, the flu seasons throughout the world are different. So Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, we're not all getting the flu at the same time. So they surveil all, the, all over the world, and um, they decide in advance, actually, they just decided this month what's going to go into our flu shot for next season, for next fall. Whoa. Um And they do that by looking at what's going on in in the Southern Hemisphere for us, um, especially like South America. Um, They actually do a pretty good job at deciding which viruses are gonna be prevalent, that they're pretty good at. The problem arises that when they say there's not like a good match, the problem is is that the viruses are kind of wily and they like to shift. Some of that shifting occurs um, in nature, just because when the virus moves, Sometimes it's because of the way we make the vaccine. Um, certain uh, flu viruses shift more during the vaccine-making process. And so that's why things kind of get hairy. That's why flu vaccines aren't 100% for any particular virus.
2: So if, if they're, they're trying to game plan what's going to be next year's flu virus, are oh. you within your, you know, for your pediatric office, are you placing orders now? Are you guessing how many... You know, how many can you get or do you kind of I mean, because it takes a while to produce. I don't know. A, how long does it take to produce? And then B, do you have to order starting now or do you kind of wait to see what your practice is seeing to kind of put your marker in for how much you have for your patients?
4: Yeah. So actually, so when the World Health Organization, I don't know why I can never say that the first time. World Health Organization, (laughs) the WHO, when they um, make their recommendations, um, the It's actually our FDA that decides if they go with those recommendations, which strains of flu goes into the U.S. flu shots. So the FDA tells the flu vaccine companies which shots or which um, antigens uh, for the virus go into the flu shots. So all of our vaccines have the same three or four viruses in them. um, And that is decided at the FDA. So I don't have to choose which which ones to protect people from that is decided by who and the and the cdc and the fda um so we order our flu vaccines early um even without knowing what somebody else decides that so the lag time for um for vaccines that are grown in eggs is six to eight months which is a problem that's one of the reasons we have to choose um which which viruses to cover for like now for next season. Um, There are other ways to make flu vaccine and those are starting to be used more. Um, But thus far it still takes six to
2: eight months.
4: (laughs) Short answer is six to eight months.
2: The new way still is as fast as the old way. Yeah.
4: yeah, It's expensive to change. Nobody's willing to, to really take that leap
1: yet. A couple of questions about the, the vaccine itself. So if you get the, the vaccine and then you get the flu a couple of days later is it caused by the uh, the vaccine or is that a myth
4: that is a myth okay. um so Busted. you can't get the flu <laughs> you can't get the flu from the flu vaccine um there the vaccine just has the antigens for the flu so um it just has a little bitty part of the outside of the flu so that our body can mount learn how to mount a response to the flu virus Um, So you can't get uh, the flu from the flu vaccine. What you can get is um, whenever your body starts mounting the appropriate immune response, you can kind of feel a little bit bad, a little run down, but it's not like having the flu. Um, The other issue is that the flu vaccine takes two weeks to be effective um, before your body, like, you know, sees the vaccine, recognizes it, makes, you know, all the appropriate antibodies and can start using it um, to its advantage. So you just probably got the vaccine too late. You got to get it earlier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then second, you, you mentioned that it's made in, in eggs. So yes. if somebody has a uh, allergy to eggs, um, well, can they still have the uh, the vaccine or not?
4: Yes, they can still have the vaccine. Um, so um, most of our flu vaccines are still made in egg, Like I said before, usually, um, but During the process, you don't get enough egg in the vaccine to usually cause an an allergic or like an anaphylactic or allergic reaction. Um, So you're still uh, recommended to get it with an egg allergy. Um, If you have a severe egg allergy, the kind where you have to carry your EpiPen because you're you know you might swell up and stop breathing. They recommend that you get the flu shot in a doctor's office or hospital where they can respond if you did have a reaction, but it would be really rare. (laughs) Don't get it. Maybe don't get it at the pharmacy. Get it at your doctor's office.
2: a minute clinic because (laughs) then they'll still have to pick you up to take you to the hospital.
4: (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. Get it someplace where they can treat you if you do have a reaction, but it would be rare to have that kind of reaction.
2: And and kind of following up, Frank said, just because I'm curious about it, so it's in eggs, is this uh, is this another bird question kind of Go. yes like Damn it. this i mean how monitored is it did i mean how do you make do sure how do you make sure what you put in is what you or? stop stop stand how do you make sure what you put in is what you get out like you said that birds and 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 pigs have some of the best crossover for humans but like can it be mutated so you're trying to grow one version in the egg can it be mutated in it and then come out the so- other side?
4: without being like an expert on vaccine production. No. <laughs> the no, you can there is a little bit of shift that happens in the egg sometimes. That's a simple way of thinking about it. <laughs>
2: so, so I have antigenetic shift but not drift.
4: <laughs> No, this is drift, not shift.
2: You failed. (laughs) Hey, but I wrote those down.
0: (laughs) I guess guess you're not an expert in this. Oh, no.
2: Well, that's our podcast. Thanks for joining. All right. How do you
3: take Dan off of here now?
2: (laughs) Dan's pouring a stronger drink. So for those of you that can't see him Let's get Dan
5: back to the next question. After we try and keep... Let's try and salvage some uh, professionalism
0: out of this. My, my third, my third question is: uh, <laughs> so, um, so, so, given all of this shift, so what? What is the strain of flu that we're dealing with this year that is causing so many problems? Uh, you know, have they identified it, A- and how will that impact what they do next year?
4: Yeah. So the predominant strain causing trouble this year is called H3N2. So it's a flu A virus, H3N2. You've probably heard it on the news. Um, The um, vaccine effectiveness for that particular strain, what we're seeing so far this year is about 36%, which doesn't sound like a big number, but it's not that bad. (laughs) Um, It's actually higher. The effectiveness in kids age zero to four is much higher. It's like in the fifties, 51%. Oh, that's pretty good. we don't know why it's more effective in the kids versus the older people, or at least I don't know why. Somebody probably does. I don't know why. Um, it isn't a particularly new, it's not a new strain. We've seen it before. Um, one of the reasons that it's a problem is it does tend to drift quickly. <laughs> so, and it tends to drift in the egg vaccine process as well.
0: Gotcha. And so what's the difference between an A strain and, I guess, a B strain? Is it A and B, the two big strains of flu?
4: Um, yeah, they're just two different types of the flu. Um, type A can drift and shift. Type B really only drifts, if that so, makes so any big difference. As type, far as what it does to a, you. Type
0: A is more of like a hard charger, really go get them type, and type B is more laid-back.
4: Uh yeah. But it can also <laughs> sure
0: I'm officially changing the name of a
4: podcast of the type B flu. <laughs> yeah, it can also change quickly. Um both of them can cause the same symptoms and trouble in people. Um yeah. that's the bottom line. You don't want either. A right. or
2: B. Sure. Go ahead, Eric. No, I was just gonna say, so if if people have had the flu vaccine, they feel like they're getting sick, is it good for them to still go in to visit with, you know, bring their kid in if their kid's, you know, acting sick or whatever so that you can track if the, if their kids have A and B? I'm kind of a data geek. And so is it, even if people are like, oh, they've had the flu shot, they'll be okay. We're going to kind of get through this. Do you still like to see patients come in so that you can get an idea of what's your region's getting hit with so you have some data to track it just so you know what's going on? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: no the short answer is no i mean from from a population standpoint they have ways of um kind of surveying kind of
2: deflated right now i'm like
4: i I know right no but you know the data doesn't we only as a pediatrician i only want data if it's going to change something for my patient Mm -hmm. um and in a lot of cases more more information isn't really helpful for the flu um if (laughs) If a child falls into one of those high risk categories and you think they have the flu, then I definitely want to see them because for those kids we would treat them um, with an antiviral. Um, Other than that, um, you know, if the kid, if you feel like the kid is not okay, like if they're not handling the flu well, if you're worried that my kid's not
2: okay, but it's not a sick reason.
4: You know, obviously, any trouble breathing—that's a big emergency. Um, any any change in color. Generally, we like our kids to stay, you know, their normal color. Um, any um, change in what we'd say, change in mental status. So, like, kids are allowed to feel fatigued and generally, you know, terrible whenever they have the flu. But if they were ever acting in a way that was scary to you, then that then they should definitely be seen. <laughs>
0: I think my,
2: uh, for my mom, maybe? it was when I was chasing Snoopy flying around in our house. That's when I got admitted. <laughs> I apparently started chasing him around like I thought Snoopy was flying his his uh, doghouse. So I the spent Red five, I, yeah, doing the <laughs> Red Baron thing. I spent five days in the hospital when I was a kid because of that. And wow. that, was her, that was her key. That was like, yeah, yeah, you were chasing chasing Snoopy <laughs> around the house, and I thought this was a, this is not normal.
0: Was yeah, that flu or just that a psychotic
2: break? <laughs> <laughs> psychotic break happened later. That's, That's just, Montana. just Montana. That's just Montana yeah. in the winter.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, not and not every child will need a flu test. So during time periods where flu is just ramping up, just getting started and we're not sure that everybody has the flu. Like right now, mm. everybody pretty much has the flu. If you. If you think your kid has the flu, they probably do. <laughs> um, but before, you know, early in the season when that's not entirely clear, and yeah, we run more flu tests um, to kind of get a better a better picture of what's going on um, because we don't want to give kids medicine they don't need. Um, but right now, if your kid has the flu, um, if you if you think they have a flu-like illness, they probably do have the flu, um, especially well, actually. Right now, in almost all 50 states, there's heavy flu activity. Um, so it doesn't really matter the the data as far as which kind of flu they have doesn't
0: really matter. Flu is flu. But there that is, actually a is a test. It's a really good segue into sort of my last real topic to talk about, which is if you, your kid, a family member, comes down with the flu, how do you treat it in the home? You know, what's the best way to handle that?
4: So, um, right. So if you're, if you have a child who you think has the flu and they don't fall into one of those high risk categories. So if you, if they're not under two years of age, if they don't have asthma or any other, um, chronic medical problems, um, then the best thing to do is try to treat them at home and give them what we call supportive care. So one of the most important things is to make sure they're hydrated. Hydration is key. Um, so you don't want them to get behind, especially when kids are running fever. They can burn through their body's you know, water supply really fast. So hydrate, hydrate. They have to take frequent sips of water, Pedialyte, um, stuff like that to stay hydrated. For fever, you can absolutely um, treat them with the usual Tylenol or Motrin um, And that's unfortunately most of it <laughs> for <laughs> the flu. <laughs> um, that's pretty much the way it is. Now, if your kid falls, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. What, what's the uh, what's the catchphrase that pediatricians will use? The, you, you treat the tri- child, not the symptoms, or, or something of that nature. You know, just make sure it gets comfortable and and, yes. and roll with it. it, it that's it's right.
4: A lot of couch with. time. Yeah, and keep them away from other kids. Yeah. Oh, and and wash flu. your hands, <laughs> wash your hands. Now, if your kid falls into one of those categories that, um, that you're concerned that they might be high risk, like the under two or asthma or any other medical tr- problem, then they should be seen by their doctor. Um, and for those kids, um, we recommend doing, um, an antiviral and that's what you've heard of, like the Tamiflu. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, so it's not for everybody. So, um, it, the hope with Tamiflu, and there's some evidence that it will decrease the duration of symptoms of the flu, and it also um, can help prevent complications from the flu. Um, but um, as far as like duration, it's only been shown to decrease duration by maybe a half day versus no medicine at all. So, I mean, depending on your <laughs> depending on your point of view, that may or may not be a lot. Um, the other issue with Tamiflu. I mean, the antivirals is they can be pretty hard on kids so a lot of kids get vomiting diarrhea that they wouldn't have otherwise had with the flu so some kids just can't tolerate it
2: (laughs) so all of that for an extra earlier half day Mm. Um.
4: yeah yeah so kind of iffy on it absolutely it's recommended for kids that are high risk because for those kids you want to throw anything at it that you can to prevent the really bad illness from the flu Um, But for anybody who has a pretty good chance of making it through okay, then we just say supportive care. Of course, if you were unlucky enough to end up in the hospital with the flu, you would definitely get the antivirals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You get all the fun stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, Is that, Robin, is that kind of what you guys went through? You went and checked in and then they they forwarded you on?
3: Yeah, that was was actually, that was going to be my question. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, my daughter just got over type B like last week. So she went was, or two weeks ago she had it. She was back to school last week. Um, my question is going to be, what do you say to those new parents? No, my daughter's eight. We have an older son. So they've we've we've gone through the flu several times. So when the, the weird rash pops up and the fever rash and the spikes of fever and things like that, we, we don't panic anymore. What do you say to those new parents that just have their kid, you know, just first first time kid going through the flu or those weird things that pop up, especially given all the social media stuff that goes out there about, you know, the, the mom and dad social media groups on how do you treat the flu? And, you know, give them turmeric, No, give them give them every single shot under the roof. And then you got the news coming on talking about all the deaths of, uh, of kids from the flu. How do you kind of calm them and, and let them know, here's, okay, guys, here's what you need to do first time around.
4: Um, that's a really good question. And it's a hard one. I always tell uh, my patient's parents to err on the side of caution with the flu. Um, you know, this isn't the sniffles we're dealing with. The flu has the potential to be really dangerous and it is scary. Um, and, you know, 91 kids have died in the U S this year from the flu. I you know, just, just this year alone. So Um, That's not very reassuring, but it is scary. You got to, you know, kind of make sure they understand that. Um, If there's any question, if you're, you know, concerned that your kid isn't doing well, then definitely just take them in to be seen um, by, you know, a qualified (laughs) medical writer and it's worth it. It's worth that your peace of mind, making sure that you know your kid is okay. Um, So, I mean, other than that, I would just, you know, I like to make myself available for my patients and, and hopefully, you know, your kids' doctors do too. Um, you just always err on the side of caution with the flu. Um, other than that, you know, most kids don't die from the flu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the Facebook and social media and the news, it's very scary. Most of the time kids do just fine. Sometimes we have kids that have the flu for whatever reason they've been tested, you know, someplace and, um, they, they're like, they have the flu, but they are completely fine. They don't have a fever. They don't know that they have the flu. Um, so there's a wide variation into the flu symptoms, what it means for an individual kid. Um, so, you know, just kind of stay on top of it, watch them close, but don't panic. It's going to be okay.
3: <laughs> and I'll just say for the record, my daughter this year's had the flu twice, once in the summer and then once in the winter. Oh, and the, oh, and the summer really passed. Yeah. yeah, she had type A in the summer passed it to up. B. And then in the winter, type B and passed it to my wife. She's building good immunity. She's yeah. sharing. Yes. sharing is caring. Yes. Um, cool.
2: That
4: happens. You can actually get flu A and B at the same time. And yeah. we've, we've seen that some this season. Oh,
2: just, wow. That sounds like no fun at all.
4: Yeah, <laughs> wow. not great. Not great at all.
0: Well, that kind of runs through my questions, Eric. I guess, guys, anybody else have any questions about birds or anything else that we want to throw at the doctor here? It's not a bird question,
2: but I just I do have this, this question. So my wife and I always have this debate about when one of our kids is sick. Like, I normally am not a go in person or anything like that. But when we do go, you know, when it's getting to that point, she's like, "Do we really go in? I don't want to bring her in because she's going to get sick when we go to the doctor's office because they have the the healthy section the sick section which are separated because you have to walk through the same doorway and you have to walk past the sick kids to get to the anyways it, how i mean is that a, like a real thing or is that one of those just kind of you think that your kid's going to get sick in the sick section or going to get when all the sick kids are there do you ever i mean six, uh, six
4: i mean six
2: section medical
4: offices say. are germy places yeah and we do our best we do our best to keep everything clean but <laughs> You know, it's just like sending them to school. There's germs there. Anywhere there's other people, there are germs. So you can go to the mall. That's a germy place. (laughs) The doctor's office is a germy place. Yeah. I mean, so definitely it it happens.
2: So just kind of like think about that, you know.
4: Yeah. Think about that all the time. Make sure their hands are... (laughs) Wash their hands, wash their hands. And make sure they've had their flu shot. The most important thing is the flu shot. And so... Like if I could say like one thing on the you know news, they talk about the flu shot isn't very effective. Um, it's really effective at, at making sure your kid doesn't die from the flu. So you might get the flu.
0: That's a but good tagline. That's yeah, yeah. It
4: really is. <laughs> it's not very good at keeping you from getting the flu, but it's really good at keeping you from dying from the flu, and that's really the yeah. point.
0: Yeah, we actually had we ran into a just sort of weird, random situation with our younger daughter where it took us quite a while to get her vaccinated for the flu this year because, first of all, she has a July summer birthday. So when she goes in for her annual, most times it's not available yet. It just hasn't shipped yet because mm-hmm. of the production time. And then she's also our little one that constantly is getting just head colds or upper respiratory things or whatever. So every time we had a chance to get her to the doctor, she was already sick with something else. So they didn't want to give it to the flu vaccine at that visit. So it wasn't really until probably like, I think it was like three weeks ago that we actually finally got her with the the flu vaccine for this year's flu.
4: So that's a really good point. And it's still, we still say like, if you haven't had your flu shot right now, you should still get it. Um, even though it takes a couple weeks to be effective, we are not at the end of the flu season yet. We've got several weeks, we think, more of bad flu activity. Um, the other thing is, you know, a, a kid doesn't have to be perfectly healthy to get their flu vaccine. Um, I, give, I give flu vaccines to, you know, kids with cold and snotty noses because kids between the ages of 4 and
2: 22. 11...
4: They pretty much, oh, really, I mean, really it is. They have a runny nose 11 months out
2: of the year,
4: you know. I mean, it's constant, and that's normal. That's, you know, normal for them just because of their environment. Um, So, yeah, the only reason I wouldn't give a flu shot in that situation is if they were, like, floridly ill, running a super high fever. I'd be like, okay, I'll go easy on you this time. But really, she should get the flu shot even with a cold.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we um, and we've certainly done that. She has had this running respiratory thing going on for a while that was um, just kind of its own saga um, that, yeah, sort of it was sort of an abundance of caution thing. And
4: that's good too, but I'm glad she got it, and it'll she still got, protect yeah. her for the rest of the season, and, right. which is not over yet, yeah.
0: Oh, right, exactly. So yeah, that was just one of the many wonderful dramas of, of parenting, um, <laughs> is just dealing with that kind of nonsense. So, mentioned- so I, had
5: a, I had a follow-up question. You, you talk about, you know, doctors talk about flu season, and I know viruses like hurricanes don't really follow a, a strict schedule. You know,
0: everybody starts talking about getting is that a the, tagline you know, from a movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, wait,
2: is it time everybody... for uh, flu A and B to report? I know pitchers and catchers reported, but is it time for that? I'm
5: everybody in the medical field talks about, you know, the flu season, and I get, you know, they start talking about getting your flu shots in the fall, in October, November. Like, what is the, It sounds like a stupid question, in generalizing, but what what is the general flu season we're looking at, years? So... As, when like a start end period would be
4: for. And, you know, and, you know it's all generalization. So, you know, the flu tends to start ramping up in October um, and tends to start slowing down around, you know, March, April. Um, right. But just like he said, you can get the flu in the summertime. There's always I mean, flu happens year round, but the peaks of the season um, tend to be, you know, in those fall, um, early winter Mm-hmm. Right. Right.
5: Yeah. Like we, and like you had talked about with the, the strain that, that, that season's shot is geared to, that's, that's what it's going to be protecting you from regardless of what time of year it is. Yes. This is my understanding.
4: Yes. And then, and then the next fall you have to get the next flu shot to protect you from the predominant strains that are going to be coming around. Right. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that the, um, the flu mist hasn't been given out for a couple of years, but I thought I read somewhere or heard somewhere on TV that next year um, they're going to start producing it again for people to get.
4: Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's just recent news this month. Um, so the reason that the flu mist was gone for a couple of years is because it was terribly ineffective, <laughs> um, which they didn't find out. <laughs> they didn't find out until they ran the numbers after the fact.
5: They did um, get data.
4: And <laughs> so, yeah, everybody was like, you can't do that anymore. And so they reworked it um, and apparently they've shown um, better effectiveness um, numbers this time around um, for the next year. So it is going to be available, but the last I read from the CDC, it's not recommended. Um, so it's kind of a, a, a fine line there. Um, you know, the upside would be some people will not get a flu shot, but they will get flu missed for whatever reason. Um, and so that's going to be something. How widely available it is, like, will your doctor's office have it? I'm not sure yet, um, but it will be in production for next season.
5: Now it's funny you bring that up, Frank, with flu mist because my kids got the flu mist one year, and they hate. They had a worse reaction to that just actually getting it than, than a needle. Like they did better with getting the needle than they did the flu mist. Maybe it's just my kids, but. You know, we're no, just that's
4: a lot of kids. Conventional- <laughs> that's a lot of kids. I mean, it's a it's a big squirt of kind of nasty stuff up your nose, which is not great. I would definitely prefer myself to have the shot. I mean, a lot of kids would be the same.
2: Yeah, I mean, just think about that. Like, kids have trouble like with certain food textures or whatever. But you're like, here, hold on, <laughs> let me sh- let me just squirt this down your nose so you don't get a needle. I don't know. I can. I can bear hug my kid enough to hold her still so she can get a needle shot versus here, let me hold you and I'll breathe deep. Yeah, I'm still trying to work on yeah. the youngest, you know, here, blow into this tissue. And she snorts it all down her throat because the <laughs> right. whole concept is still not there yet.
4: Yeah, I had kids tell me that it kind of felt like, you know, when you jump into a pool and your <laughs> like, nose isn't ready and yeah. you can water up there. I mean, yeah, that's it's just, not comfortable.
2: I'm not a needle guy, but yeah, that, that wins me over.
4: Yeah.
2: So, so we've been talking about the flu a lot. Are there, you know, any other words of wisdom? Like, make sure you get all of the uh, shots that you're supposed to get. Don't skip on them just because something else is going on. Like, I know those are, you know, there's like thirty six thousand shots a kid needs in the first seven (laughs) months, and so they're all important. They all mean something.
4: They all they are all important. They all mean something. Um, they all mean something like significant they don't vaccinate (laughs) for minor illnesses these are (laughs) these are you know they only vaccinate for things that are going to either cause loss of life or permanent disability so they are all important you don't want to choose any of them to kind of you know cut corners or you know knock off but um yeah just stay on top of it make sure and you can ask questions you know whenever you go to the doctor just you know because sometimes you know if your things get missed if your kid's been sick you know, for a while, like maybe they had to skip, you know, maybe they missed a vaccine here and they were like did a sick visit instead of a well visit, you know, just, you know, every now and then just say, hey, we're we're calling our shots right We're, <laughs> we're where we need to be. And it's a good reminder. Um, and then, you know, the staff at the doctor's office, you know, they're usually happy to happy to help you guys look into that, but don't miss any of the vaccines and make sure you're getting your flu shots early in the flu season.
2: Other question about vaccines. Mm-hmm. What are these kids going to do these days when they don't have to have a um, chicken pox party? So I remember <laughs> when I got chicken pox, every other kid in the neighborhood got to come over. And we all hung out for the afternoon so that everyone else could get chicken pox. That was a thing. Or is that just a Montana thing again? I think that's well, a that Montana a thing. thing. That was a Not thing. thing. So that's a chicken thing. Chicken pox parties used it, to be yeah. a thing. And now those don't happen anymore, right? Like Because it's it's kind of a thing of the past. Not really a thing of the past, but...
4: Well, kids, hopefully it's a thing in the past.
2: Get, yeah, kids just don't get chicken pox. You just don't assume that you're going to miss a week of school for chicken pox anymore.
4: Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kids just, aren't as, st- kids aren't can't as can't tough as they used that. to be. But there was a kid at a chicken pox party somewhere. When you had the chicken pox, there was some kid at a party somewhere, and they died. So, <laughs> Wow.
0: <Well, laughs> you got that lucky. know right. yep. <laughs> hey, was a good party. Anyway, I wonder if that
4: <laughs> That's why they have to get their chickenpox vaccine.
0: That's not, not just a Montana, Montana, Montana thing. For, for
4: everybody.
2: <laughs> I'm wondering if my mom thought about that with the home liability insurance. Yeah, does this co- what does this cover? <laughs> Sign a waiver to answer yeah. the house. Okay. No, Eric, I mean that
4: in a, but goes back. One of the arguments, you know, people like to talk about. Well, it's just better if they get the chickenpox. Like they shouldn't have the vaccine. Vaccines are just little bursts of nature. They're giving you what nature would give you, but in a way that isn't going to kill you. So think of it that way.
2: <laughs> That's a good <laughs> not point. not
4: better to get the chicken pox.
2: Well, and then if if you get this shot now, it's supposed to help you when you're older and you possibly could get shingles too, if I read something, right? It's supposed to help out with, because, yes. you know, again, everything is bad if you're under two and then it's bad when you're over like 75 or whatever. So, yeah. you know, you get shingles, which is essentially old people chicken pox. That's right. Okay. If I can can explain it, then it all makes sense. Um,
5: Do they have shingles parties at the fifty-five and over community?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If they don't, they should, and I should see what kind of a company I can get to run that.
0: Rob, you're gonna start getting invited to him, buddy. (laughs) I still got disaster.
2: Rob had a birthday just recently, and we just can't get over how old
0: he is.
5: I'm not that old. <laughs> do, I, do I have to remind you again that I cannot run three of the four of you?
0: I just can't believe we all got together on a school night to have right? two and a half <laughs> beers to celebrate Rob's birthday. Doesn't anyway, it. All right. no, this, is going, this is going yeah. a little, little, uh, <laughs> off the, rails, off the rails, rails here, guys.
2: Let's, so, uh. So, um, not to steal this from you, Dan, but Crystal, where can people find uh, Scissor Tail Pediatrics on the, uh, digital internets
4: <laughs> scissortailpediatrics.com is where we are on the web and also on facebook at scissortailpediatrics nice and show if notes if you want to find more information about the flu check out cdc.gov
2: she's throwing out the big ones there now <laughs> <laughs> the
4: business is scissortailpediatrics first <laughs> <laughs> right there, you yeah. go. nice see
2: that's how you do it that's how you do it <laughs> do all that well no we really appreciate you uh lending your time to us and coming on and sharing um, sharing your knowledge. Cause we have questions, some of them better Dan's than others. And so, uh, so we appreciate you putting up with us and taking the time and uh, you know, we hope everyone will visit your website to find out more information about it. And if you have questions, ask your pediatrician, that's what they're there for. They love to talk to you. They want to make sure that your kids are doing well, just like you want to make sure your kid is doing well. So use them as a resource. So with that, Uh, We panic so you don't have to. And thanks, everyone. Bye.